Hi guys, this is Doug, and you're listening to What's the Hazard. Before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Fallowich Construction Services, Custom Concrete Specialists, WorkSafe Consulting, the Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group, and our latest sponsor, Make You Safe. Thank you one and all for your support. I sincerely appreciate it. Now let's get to today's episode. It is Friday, March 17th, um, St. Patrick's Day. I hope everyone's off to a good start. Um, I, I, bl- I probably have some Irish in me, if I can say that, you know, at some point, you know, the, the family tree probably sprouted a branch in the British Isles somewhere. I have no idea, man, but it's not a big holiday for me necessarily. Um, I've had a few green beers over the last 50 years, you know, I suppose, but it's not, I know like we don't approach it with the same vigor that many people do. Yeah. And I'm not a huge fan of corned beef and cabbage, you know. My wife's making that tonight. Is she? I hope she's not listening. Do you enjoy that? Yes. Oh, is it? Oh, well, there, there you go. That's okay, man. I mean, I, I, as I understand it, there are very few things better from a, from a gut health standpoint than cabbage. Right. You know, fermented kimchi, cabbage, all those kind of things are really good for your gut health, your, you know, gut lining and leaky gut syndrome, all those kind of things, prebiotics and probiotics and all of those terrific things. I just don't like that shit, <laughs> <laughs> which is my, my gut leaks. I don't really celebrate place. it, you know, appropriation. So, I, you know, being <laughs> Korean and everything, I don't want to be taking away. Korean, Irish or whatever. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, that's interesting. But, hey, man, you know, I, I'm a theme guy. So whatever the theme is for the day, I, I'm in. You yeah. know, I can play along. Yeah. So yeah. I hope everybody has a great, great uh, St. Patrick's Day. Did I introduce Cody Hoover? I don't even know if I even thought to introduce my guest. Everybody knows him and recognizes him. Cody Hoover, been on the podcast many times. Um Safety manager at, now you're at Green, Green Plains. Plains? Yeah. Ethanol. Yes, ethanol and, and ingredients. So And ingredients. Yeah, clean sugar, high protein. Okay. Kind of going that route. Is ethanol, it, more are, of do you guys byproduct. like do wet milling or dry milling or? It's wet. So, okay, yep. so it's, oh, so you do have byproducts. Yeah, yep. Enzymes and Enzymes. carbon dioxide yep. and all sorts of things coming yep. off that process that you can utilize. Yeah, there's a lot of different, corn can, you can, utilize it in very many different ways. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that with the new cl- change in how we're uh, businesses are doing things with clean energy, ethanol should be more of a byproduct because it is a pretty volatile market when mm-hmm. you're relying on gas prices to be high. And so uh, Green Plains has kind of restructured how they want to do things and make it more ingredient-based, which is really fun. So we're mm-hmm. getting more in the food manufacturing side they interesting do, so it's it's been really fun that's to, cool to learn that. and so this is a so um you've been through a number of different you know we went you went through the ammunition yep uh company that we've talked about in the past you went through a food processing yep. f- company for a while and now you were in this would you call it the energy sector or how would yeah you i'd say it? clean energy yeah sector of it yeah if you want to call it that, so you're so. constantly learning is that an enjoyable part of the process it's it's more challenging as I get older because mm-hmm. I think when you're young and you have a lot more ambition to to learn <laughs> right. and like I'm going to wake up at 4:30 I'm going to work with the operators and I'm yeah gonna I'm going to watch them work and I'm going to read all these journals three and- kids deep it's it's almost impossible to to mm-hmm. do that so but it's been fun it's been a really good company I've been there for 10 months now and you are the EHS manager or what is your time corporate EHS or corporate safety health you okay. know whatever 
you know, I'm the part of the corporate scum now. So mm-hmm. um, I get it. I get to see it from a different perspective from when I used to be at the plant. So right. it's, it's, it's been more humbling on this side of things versus at the plant side for that's, sure. That's an interesting comment because it is different. The perspective is different. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know that everyone appreciates that. So for example, we are talking about working together in the near future mm-hmm. and one of my former bosses um, Leanne Meyer, who uh, just retired from a really big corporate EHS job, she's a very bright, you know, knowledgeable person, is going to participate on some environmental yeah. stuff. And um, the perspective is, to- I've always been a foot soldier, yeah. you know, I'm the guy in the plant hanging pumps, walking, you know, doing inspections. I've never had a big corporate job. The closest I ever came to was like a, you know, the acting area director at OSHA, and that's a 10-person you know, band of misfit toys, you know, I mean, it's not really a corporation per se, even though at the higher levels of the government, it certainly seems corporate or Mm -hmm. there's certainly a lot of bureaucracy, Yeah, but it is a different perspective, you know, talk about that just a little bit before we get into the meat and potatoes here. Yeah. So if, if you are a safety person at the plant level, and I I know this because I spent most of my career in the plant level and, and somebody from corporate comes in, there is just this this notion that they're just trying to make your life difficult. They, they don't know as much. And that's true. I mean, we don't understand the, the culture that you're dealing with. We don't understand where you're at as far as your, your skill set and safety or environmental. And so that's a hard thing to kind of gauge too. Um, and so I, there have been times where I've been wrong on a lot of trainings that we put together because this plant does it a little bit different here. Or I forgot to. And, and so it makes it seem from my side that, Hey, I don't know as much, but I'm not at that plant intimately to, to understand mm-hmm. all the ins and outs. And so really building up that relationship is going to, is super important. So I make sure that I'm, I'm speaking to those, those EHSS member team members on a weekly basis to ensure that I know what's going on or I have an idea and I, I travel a lot too, but yeah, there is, it's, it's completely different. I would say if you have somebody new from corporate coming in, give that person grace. They know what they, they know their stuff. It's just that they have to figure out how culture fits, what you know. And so it's probably a good idea to kind of inform them ahead of time mm-hmm. what they're going into, where they're at, instead of them trying to do a, a one-size-fit-all program mm-hmm. because that's not going to work. And then that's where we have that that disconnect between corporate and actual plant people and so then on my side you're trying to appease the vps to mm-hmm. make sure that everything because they have to appease the board members right and then we also have to appease so we're kind of like that staff sergeant the e6 mm-hmm. where you're you're now a staff nco but you're the brand new staff nco so you have everybody below you <laughs> but then you have the higher brass that are coming down so the people you, below so you think you've sold out and the people yeah, above you are it, using you as that tool to... it's a very awkward because i i love being boots on the ground mm-hmm. getting my hands dirty yeah you were always them. really good yeah. at that and so it's it's but this is the natural evolution of yeah. the job, right? Yeah. I mean, at some point. But I think those comments are really useful, man. And I'm, I'm glad we went in this direction, yeah. even though we had no idea where we were going. <laughs> but I think that there is that disconnect between the corporate and the plant, you know, yeah. the, you know the actual producers or whatever that is. And there, there can be a lot of that uh, square peg, round hole stuff. Yeah. You know, we're trying to make everybody the same. And, and 
as a consultant, I like to see uniformity and consistency between different locations, but it's never going to be exactly right. the same. Right. Because of the geographic location, the culture of that environment, and the people, yep. and the management, and their preferences and techniques, everything's going to be slightly different. So this is that, um, if, we, if we go to safety differently, this is that work is imagined versus work is done. Right. You know, what they believe is happening at the corporate level and what you've asked to happen, but then how it actually manifests itself down at the mm-hmm. ground level. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And, that's and so you use the term grace. That's, <laughs> that's a really insightful term. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one where, because I, you know, coming in there, I think, yeah, this is what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to fix it. But then we have safety people who are brand new and we have some safety people who have transition from operations to safety and then you have safety people who have been doing this for a long time and so it, they all bring a different skill set but all when it comes to safety and compliance they're all at different levels mm-hmm. and so trying to wrangle them in so one of the things that I did from a corporate side is I had to start small and say the first thing I said all right for injury management um, send me a journey map from if I report that I'm injured what do you guys do and so every single 11 plants sent me all of their, their journey map of what was going on. All of them are so different. Some had four steps, some had 12 steps, some had 30 steps. And so then you kind of can see where everybody's at. Mm-hmm. And then you start asking a different question. So what, what would you do for, let's say, prior industrial vehicle training and, and your protocols for investigation? I just want to kind of see, mm-hmm. engage where they're at. So that way I know how to talk to them. And, and say, like, okay, this person is pretty green here, so we're going to have to start from maybe just learning the concept, whereas this person knows what they're doing, so let's kind of refine some things to make sure that we're consistent mm-hmm. or everybody understands from the, the plant side what to do. And so that is, if, you, if you're at the corporate level, that would be something I would suggest. If you're at the plant level, I think that's something that you can provide to your corporate team to kind of say, like, if you want to better understand us, then start asking these questions mm-hmm. because that's you. really going to help them out a lot. So, Oh, that's really good, man. I mean, rather than just making assumptions, right. actually find out for yourself where they are in that journey. And they're going to be in different places based on the different subject matter, the, their expertise. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in those areas where we have expertise, we always favor those areas. Yep. We feel confident in those. So we really go gangbusters in those areas. But these other things that are not really my cup of tea, man, they might be dwindling behind a little bit. Yeah, and so then you pair them up. So I don't, I don't want to write programs from a from a corporate side because that's really crappy. And I've I've been a part of that. <laughs> right. I'm not going to name the company. Yeah, but, but nobody it, enjoys that. It was that. in between Jack Links and Hornady, but um, you had one corporate person who wrote sixty page long policies, and her involvement in the plant level was minimal and so she had no idea what was it was just more of a a compliance piece which that which we've talked about that's not Mm -hmm. how safety works there's safety and compliance they're two different entities yeah and so then you pair up who's really who does uh you know your operation guys who converted over to safety well they're probably would be really good for lockout tagout hot work and can Mm -hmm. find space since they've probably done those jobs let's have them write a program let's bring on somebody who's pretty green to have them work with them we have Mm -hmm. some uh, some people who are really good at environmental. All right, let's push them off to them. We have some that are really good at rail and, and power industrial vehicles. Great, let's push off a team and have them create the programs. 
we'll revise it from a corporate side to make sure that it aligns with what we believe it should be done. Mm-hmm. But really, they get most of the say because they're they're putting in the step by steps of what's going on. Mm-hmm. It really just helps. I love um, that approach, man. That's really interesting. And I, you know, I do think that if we truly want to learn, you know, you you've you've touched on a bunch of things without even actually saying it. But like one of the things you just described was a learning team mm-hmm. where you're bringing people with greater knowledge and lesser knowledge together to work on these things and and share. And then um, I like the idea that we don't have to have absolute consistency. Right. As a corporation and as the corporate EHS group, you guys need certain things to be in place, mm-hmm. you know, from a regulatory standpoint or from a business standpoint, operational standpoint. But beyond that, it's okay for each location to have a little bit of its own flavor yeah. or nuance. It doesn't have to be so rigid mm-hmm. that you're just shoving shit down their throat, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, so we also created an FAQ or an LOI kind of because just because of um, just kind of stealing from what OSHA does. Mm-hmm. But there's so much gray, which, you know, in our policies. So you're writing your own LOIs extent- internally? Yeah, so if there are questions that we have historically for – Let's say for hot work, can you do X, Y, Z because of this, this, and this? There's, you know, a different scenario. And the policy doesn't really state that because the policy is more written black and white. Mm-hmm. Then we'll create an FAQ. We'll have a team together. Um, and then we'll say, this is, yep, we'll deem this acceptable because of this, this, and this. Or, no, nope, please refer back to this. So that way we're trying to remove a lot of that ambigu- ambiguity of people making the wrong decision at the plant level or the EHSS person being like, I don't know, a corporate person wrote this, so I don't know what they really mm-hmm. want. So now they're on the phone with us trying to figure it out. We're trying to understand exactly what they need to do. So this five-minute job becomes a two-hour-long job mm-hmm. because there's just communication. So we're trying to we're trying to streamline this as best we possibly wow. can. And so hopefully, yeah. you know, we're, we're, it's still so there's the a little works. front end work there's to be done here, but on the back end, it should really resolve yeah, a lot of A lot that. of more streamlined things. And if we find that there is an issue with one of the FAQs that we put, then we'll make a revision. We'll send it out to the mm-hmm. team, and then they'll just re-update the. Mm-hmm. I love that, man. I so, love the idea of FAQs and LOIs. Yeah. And because at a corpor- in, a, in a corporation, just like OSHA, we can't be black and white about everything, right. you know. And, uh, you know, I think people want that desperately, but it's just not realistic. Yeah. So this gives people an opportunity to learn as they're going and to get some of those issues resolved without having to make the phone call exactly. necessarily. And then, <laughs> you know, is, and it's just – and so you want to empower the the safety people at the plant where they can make the decision. You know, you don't want somebody – I always say you don't want me to make the decision. Right. Because I'm going – my my decision-making is based on the company's best interests – Right. By 60% versus the employee's best interest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's what you've better, been hired to make, do. Yeah, better make the decision at the plant level. Keep corporate people like us out of it mm-hmm. because we have it. We have to split both. You know, we have to have the VPs appease to this as well. And they're always going to play the safe card, right? Sure, man. <laughs> as you said, they have, you know, uh, they have people, other people to answer yeah. to. So, you know, and that's typically a financial consideration yeah. oftentimes. Yep. So that's really cool, man. So, so in preparation for, uh, the activities we have planned in the future, you, um, you offered a lot of acronyms that I am not familiar with. And I thought I knew all the safety acronyms having lived in the OSHA world for quite a long time. I have lived in acronyms, mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes 
confusing. Most people don't understand each other's acronyms very right. well. If you have like the federal acronyms, you have your own internal corporate acronyms and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, fill me in on some of these acronyms that you're using because I'm afraid that I am like just behind the curve. Some of the things that you were referring to. So there's a lot probably environmental stuff, right? So there were some environmental as yeah. well. And I think, you know, the listeners all have environmental yeah. considerations as well that's as one safety where, considerations. Honestly, because that's kind of a, a piece that's not really in I, I I hear them talking about mm-hmm. it. I don't. I can't tell you exactly what those mean, but I know like we do NIPTs, we do TTBs, Tier Two. All that stuff is mm-hmm. more for the environmental side. Um, once again, since I'm so focused on safety, it, I yeah. I kind of I I will kind of stray into mm-hmm. the environmental side. Yeah, I kind of dabbled in it a yeah, little while. It's just it's, it's not my wheelhouse. It's not my wheelhouse either. But yeah, there's a ton of acronyms. It seems like now, and we're trying to do a better job of creating a cheat sheet because we do speak in which you know mm-hmm. er, everybody speaks in acronyms mm-hmm. i think it's more of a look at how smart i am and i can i can throw out a bunch of we know we we can just speak in acronyms yeah we could and, yeah but that's not helpful i think no i you know i used to um assume people understood what i was you know when i was speaking with people from on osha's behalf and yeah. I, I would make a, a, a inaccurate assumption that people were understanding these acronyms and then they would come up to me afterwards and say, Could you, what did you mean when you said that? You know, and I was, then I felt guilty because we deal in those acronyms every day, but mm-hmm. most of the people that we're speaking with don't perhaps. So give me a couple of the safety acronyms that you guys are using now. And oh, geez. again, these are a little bit more like you had like the big eight. Oh yeah. Okay. What, what is that referring to? So the big eight, we coined this as our life-saving rules. And I, since I'm a football guy, mm-hmm. big eight, um, yeah. Back when football was uh, yeah, football. When football was football. <laughs> and so there's there's just a you know, you're you will have a litany of policies, safety policies, but there are probably a handful of critical ones that are your life and death if they don't if we don't have something buttoned up. So walking or working at heights, uh, electrical, powder industrial vehicles, we have rail, so that is a we had a person um, at the company I'm with that they they died three years ago and this is before our mm-hmm. the the new structure of vps came in um uh let's see what else grain handling because there's dust concerns oh yeah um confined space that's six what i didn't I? mean to put you on the spot no man. you're you're fine um Gosh, you man. have a lockout tag out or lockout tag out probably goes in hand in hand with electrical to some degree. Yeah. And, and machine so guarding or something. We don't have machine guarding. There's not very much there. So, but yeah, it is a piece of that, that okay. we would talk about. What am I missing? I'm I think missing. you can look at that list that I've written upside down, but I think that this is really important because I think, and again, for the last few years, I've really been stressing this, that the, in every organization, in every workplace, there are some really critical issues. Right. And we want to we want to utilize our time effectively, and so spending lots and lots of time on those less critical things, while it may be necessary, at least from a compliance standpoint, or just to, you know just to be comprehensive in our approach. But some of these critical issues really deserve our the majority of our attention, right? And I think it's important to identify those, yeah. You know what those are, and they're going to be different from place to place. Yeah. How did you guys put these lists together? Uh, based off of the Pareto data, so when I extracted all the the incidents that occurred, also including the death and everything, 
um, and then just working, you know, 14 years in this, mm-hmm. in, in this, uh, knowing what these yeah, potentials were. I kind of had an idea of, of what we would coin as our, our big eight. And we would structure the program and the training separately from the other stuff like mm-hmm. bloodborne pathogens has Those are important pieces, but we're going to add a little bit more, um, more audits towards this. We're going to mm-hmm. add a lot better training, like more in depth training, hands-on training for these things. And so, because we know that the risk of a failure to comply or adhere to one of our policies could result in death. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. Hascom, it's like, yep. I mean, I mean, if you how however you want how like how deep the layer you want to get on that. Sure, Hascom could have yeah uh, some serious. Um, yeah, I mean, we're not here well. to bash the minimize the importance no. of some of these things, but. I agree with you, man. From I mean, a time management standpoint, exactly. you have to figure out what's your What severe, is really going to hurt you? Yeah. You mentioned something earlier that I have also been uh, talking a little bit more about. We, you and I have had this conversation for years, the difference between compliance and Safe. working safely. Yep. There, there is a difference. You know, the compliance piece is an important piece, but it's just one part of what we do. And then it's interesting because I was – I was meeting with a new client yesterday and it's a small business and I was speaking with the owner and he was, and we were talking about compliance and I said, so you, you have, you pay me to go through here and help you identify compliance vulnerabilities, you know, things that I think that an OSHA compliance officer might take exception to or might question. And, but he's, but he made the comment, but that's not what hurts my people. Right. You know, my people get hurt out on that sidewalk you know, coming into work after a big snow and there's a little bit of a slope, a little bit yeah. of a slope to the walk. And so we have to constantly be, you know, because they slip and fall yeah. or they trip or something. And, you know, we don't get hurt doing our jobs. Typically mm-hmm. we get hurt. And I was like, light bulb, you are exactly right. You know, the things that hurt your people, typically the things that hit your 300 log are not those compliance things right. that we're doing when we do our audit. Right. You know, sometimes, Slips and falls may come in there or whatever. Yeah. And the stuff that you've just identified, these big eight, the things that can actually kill our people mm-hmm. are oftentimes not either of those other two. Right. You know, slip and fall rarely kills somebody. Right. You know, OSHA compliant stuff, I shouldn't say that because there is a correlation there to some degree. But it's really three things, you know, that we're constantly trying to identify and monitor and separate in our minds. Yeah. You know, it's- and there's probably more. Yeah, and you know. so when you're a new safety person, or if you have been doing safety for, let's say, a couple of years, we always tend to lean on the compliance side of things. Yeah. Because we have been taught that. we That's what pe- people at the plant want to hear. It's like, oh, yeah, we want to make sure we're compliant with OSHA. I could care less. <laughs> I could give a shit less. That we're, I just want to well, know, are, are we going to keep our people safe? And have you done a good enough job to identify all risks and what the tasks that they're doing? And can they perform it safely is an acceptable level of risk. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the question or that's the answer you need to provide to the people on the floor. And then the compliance piece is we should understand that standard well enough or that regulation well enough that we can say this will fit here. And mm-hmm. this is how I'm going to make it fit here. That's it. We right. should separate those two things for sure. Totally agree, man. And, oh, that's, that's a really a important comment. Thank you for saying that because I completely agree with that. And the compliance piece don't get us wrong. I mean, that is important. It but is important. if you're doing these other things, if you are identifying true risk and, you know, building capacity into your system so that you can absorb mistakes and failures that we mm-hmm. are inevitably going to have and fail safely, mm-hmm. 
you know, the compliance piece could be done fairly easily after that. Yeah. You know, making sure that all of the compliance issues are addressed. Yeah. But they I, shouldn't be the driver no, of your safety program. No, that shouldn't, that, sh- that should never be the reason for a decision-making purpose for an employee doing their job. Mm-hmm. We, that should be held, that should be separate from you and your leadership team to discuss uh, because the people on the floor, they would just want to get the job done. Mm-hmm. And they just tell me how to do the job done safely without putting 27,000 barriers for me to do it. Cause I'm probably going right. to skip most of those right. so I can get the job done when you're not looking. And then there creates this distrust because if you're asking me say, Hey, can I do this, this, this job here? And I'm like, well, OSHA says you can't, I'm taking no responsibility in this. I'm not trying to problem solve how to help you out. I'm just saying OSHA said you can't. Right. So it's kind of a cop out. Almost. It is. It's a huge cop out. And mm-hmm. so you don't have that level of trust there. When you don't have that trust, people aren't going to come to you because you haven't problem solved anything mm-hmm. for them. You just said OSHA. Right. Anybody can read an OSHA book and understand it. That's you just put up a bunch of barriers yeah. for them. And th- as you said, they're going to bypass those barriers. 100%. You know, like Todd Conklin tells me, he doesn't tell me directly, but when I read his books and stuff, he tells me, I think he's talking to me. <laughs> he's 100% talking to me. 100% talking to me. But he says things like that as well, that, you know, people are going to find a way to do their work as safely as necessary, mm-hmm. you know, not all that other, those other obstructions and those other barriers that we put in their way, they will f- often find workarounds to those right. so they can get their work out, get their product done or whatever their widgets as safely as need be, right. not as safely as we think needs to be. Right. You know? and, and so, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really good point that you said that because people's risk perception it's different. So totally. it's, I always call it an uncalibrated risk perception. Everybody has it. And I, mm-hmm. I would say the same thing with our forecast monitor. You have to calibrate that every month, right? So mm-hmm. with people, you have to recalibrate their risk perception to their job almost daily or weekly, whatever the frequency that you deem fit, because it's going, they're going to drift at some point. And the, the, the less time that you spend on the, the people actually doing the job, the more likely they will drift and then they're going to do something that's going to hurt themselves. Wow. And so that's what we call uncalibrated risk perception. Uh, you call it um, field improv, right? right? So, yeah. People, you know, we talk, people ask me all the time, what, what training do I, am I required to do <laughs> annually? You know, and I'm like, you know, there, OSHA has a few requirements for annual training, but not many. Right. Frankly, respiratory protection, hearing conservation, a couple of pathogens. things, maybe blood. Yeah. There's like five things that are annual, but, you need to do them more frequently if they are these high hazard, high risk yep. areas for you for that very reason. Mm-hmm. Recalibrating risk perception. Yep. So everybody's on the same. That is brilliant, man. Did you come up with that? I heard it somewhere. Okay, I'm not going to take it myself. But that I, is and I, really I loved good. When I heard that, um, when I was really reading, I, I saw that. And, mm-hmm. and it was about something. It was about the military. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm like, well, that's that applies to. Totally applicable. Up. So. That's really um, good. Yeah, I I love using that term. I feel like even at from a from an operation standpoint, they understand what when safety speaks in that lingo, they understand what they're talking about now. You can because it's better than saying, "Well, I just I think it's unsafe," mm-hmm. or I I'm I'm not sure what's going on, but I'm pretty sure it's unsafe. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, speaking a language that they may that's right. once again seems a little bit more eloquently put together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for the for that group of people, you know, I've talked about this in the past and. I'm sure I've heard it from someone else, but, you know, based on those very variable levels of risk tolerance to mm-hmm. employees, some employees view an activity as 
I can do that totally safely. Right. None of that scares me. None right. of it is a problem. And me personally probably could do none of that because I would be terrified right. by everything. Yeah. You know, everything scares me at this point. And so we have to deal with those variable um, levels of risk tolerance right. or fear or whatever. And so you have to recalibrate them right. and let them know that, well, regardless of whether that scares you or not, you know, we can't work more yeah. than four feet off the ground without right. some type of, you know, fall prevention or fall arrest yeah. system in place. You know, 20-year-old guys aren't afraid to be four feet off the ground, yeah. man. They run around on top of grain bins 150 feet in the air with no guardrails. And yeah. so they do need to be recalibrated. Yeah. That, need, that is really They need good. to understand that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Really I, good. So one of the things I ask when I go to a new plant, um, when I meet a new management team. So when I was at Green Plains and I'm going to the new plants, um, it's it's not to – and a lot of safety people will do this too, but they will just completely dog on that plant. I saw this, 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 this. And I always say, like, that's your that's, – that's like if somebody was saying that to my kid, I'd be like, hold on. Like, I know this kid's <laughs> – I know my kid's sometimes right. crazy, but you're, you're not allowed to say that. Yeah, his room might be messy, but damn it. Yeah, you know. so I, you know, go in and just be like, hey, I, you know, saw a lot of great things. There's obviously some opportunities, but I'm going to speak with you individually. Kind of make sure it's more a little bit more intimate. But the only question I ask for when I'm new is, I'm like, where where will the next incident occur? Mm-hmm. And just kind of let them under, like, just let that soak in. And I'll ask the safety committee the same way. And then the amount of information that they'll tell me, because I say, oh yeah, this um this 60 foot ladder doesn't have a band gate. It's just a chain gate, and sometimes we forget to chain it up. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't it have a band gate? Oh. We put it in there a couple of years ago. Nothing great. Let's mm-hmm. get that put. Let's mm-hmm. get that fixed right now. Exactly. Stuff, just stuff like that where they have accepted that risk because nothing was done. But Acceptable when ask, exposure. Yeah. It's just something they've become accustomed to. Right. So if you ask that one question, where will mm-hmm. the next incident occur? The the stuff that you're going to find from that is is insane. I mean, it's going to keep you busy for a month mm-hmm. of trying to get track down all these these uh, these projects. And, Love that man. Yeah. So totally. I. In fact, this this uh, the company that I was meeting with yesterday, we had gone through the facility. We kind of, you know, talked about some of the OSHA compliance vulnerabilities, and then we started talking about other things. And I asked each of the people that had walked with me, you know, what scares you about working yeah. here? You know, I mean, what what is it that you're, you know, where, like you said, where is that incident going to happen? Or what scares you? And they're like, well, you know, I, this is all fine. I do this, but man, when I have to do this once a month or whatever, I I really don't like it. Yeah. You know, I don't like it. And those are the opportunities yeah. that we really need to drill down into. Yeah. And if you can gain the trust that you referred to earlier, they share that stuff with you. Yeah, exactly. If you think they're, you're just there to make their life miserable and this guy's going to screw up my good thing mm-hmm. and make this, you know, now I got to put on this ridiculous suit and yeah. all this shit to do this. Maybe, but maybe not. Yeah. But if they, I think if they believe that your intentions are, in yeah. their best interest, they will share that stuff with yeah. you, and that's really the that's the honeypot. Yeah, it's how do you how do you collaborate with with the team and say, you know, I I can see why you want to do this, or I you know I I would like this, but I don't know if we really need to go this route. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, having that conversation, but you have to be really open to the idea of not leaning on OSHA so much to make your decision, mm-hmm. because then. They, all the answers are no, suit up with <laughs> right, PPE right. and and do all of that stuff. So we had a – That's exactly right. We all had, the answers are no. Yeah, all the answers will be no. So we had an, an issue where we were removing a motor 
and this is on a trolley, a, a hoist trolley, but it didn't go back and forth, and it kind of got caught up as it was moving um, sideways, and and so one of the employees would have to kind of help push it, which any safety person is like, nope, that's a that's an absolute no go with this, but they needed they have to do it until we mm-hmm. can get a new mm-hmm. a different trolley put in there, mm-hmm. and so what do you? You just stop the whole operation. And then some people would say no. Or what you can do is you do an FMEA, a failure modes effects analysis. You identify the potential failure modes that could occur, mm-hmm. like your like your chain, like having somebody in the line of fire, and then figuring out what can we put right now in place that's going to minimize that risk. Then once you have that in place, then you create what's called a temporary work instruction saying, this is what you need to follow. Everybody will be retrained on this. Mm-hmm. Everybody will sign off on this. There's an end date, the date that this new trolley gets installed, so you no longer have to do this anymore. Right. That's right. This that, is not the new working right. policy. This is only temporarily temporary. until we get the fix in right. place. And so that's what safe, newer safety people need to do is they need to just take a look at that instead of saying no, with production in mind, how can we make this work? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the that's how you're going to to build that relationship and trust with leadership because you're not saying we have to shut this down completely. Mm-hmm. Was it ideal? No, but did we minimize risk? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's our Which job. Which is always the yeah. always the key, yeah. right? So. That's interesting. Our buddy Jim Steele uses something similar to that and he's back when he was doing construction work with with my friend John Falowich, they used to have that same thing if you can if you cannot comply with our work practice, our policy, mm-hmm. just stop Give me a call. Yeah. We'll take a look at it. We'll figure something out. Right. You know, it's going to be temporary. Yeah. We're not changing the work instructions, but under those circumstances, what we normally do won't work, And so, but we've got to get this done. Right. So let's figure out the safest way possible to do it. And that's just a discussion, ultimately. I yeah. mean, it's an analysis. It's an FMEA. It's but, but it's just a discussion. Yeah. And let's figure that out. And I think employees respect that so much more than just, can't do that. Yeah, right. yeah. Can't do that. Yeah. No. Like you said, everything's a no if you're trying to be and compliant. If, I swear, Doug, if I have to hear, <laughs> I want you to go home the same way that you're coming in one more time, I'm going to throw up. I will not use that. If you're in safety, stop using that because everybody uses it. Everybody wants it. Nobody wants to die at the workplace. Our job is to make help them be safe. Their job is to act safe. The only thing that's separating that is we need to do a better job verifying that our policies are actually being um, conformed to at the site level, right. at the actual And that they can done. be, that yeah. we haven't put them in a position where right. they can't comply right. with our policies. And ask that question, is, is what we're doing any, what can we make this, how can we make this better? Yeah, what obstacles have we yeah. unintentionally put in your path yeah. to getting the work out? Yeah. You know, because we're doing, it, we're doing it with the best intentions, right? but we don't always realize what that does to the employees trying to get to do the job. You right. know, sometimes we really, you know, tie their hands and, and so they're going to find a workaround. Exactly. You know, that they used to do that um, up at Norfolk Iron and Metal. Um, that was an interesting one. Mike used to be the safety guy up there, and they had that acceptable exposures program for a while where they basically just asked their employees to come forward and reveal what their workarounds were. Mm-hmm. No harm, no foul, you know, and it, they could have been doing it for years and knowing that it wasn't right, but the policies or procedures you put in place basically screw me so I can't do my job. Right. So we've come up with a workaround, 
and they wanted to at least know what the workarounds were and have an opportunity to try to fix them. Yeah. You know, without harm or foul. You know, it wasn't punitive. You know, there was no retaliation. But please tell us, and we'll do our best to find an appropriate. Maybe what you're doing is fantastic, and you're going to revolutionize the industry. But maybe what you're doing is a lot of risk that isn't necessary. Mm -hmm. But I just thought that was, but again, that takes a lot of trust. Yeah. You know, it takes a relationship, and it takes, you know, again, Conklin told me one time that if you were trying to build a resilient company, you know, a company that can fail safely, two things are critical. Number one is a way to engage the employees Mm -hmm. to get that information that we don't see when we make our annual walk around. And number two is, you know, what is your track record of making corrections? Right. Yeah. You know, and if those two things should be your gauge to having a resilient company, that's really all there is to it. Yeah. There is, there is no secret sauce Mm -mm. to this. There is just, just communicating and being transparent and, and being solution focused mm-hmm. are the the three things that I could say like that will that will probably accelerate your career if you can just do those three things. Mm-hmm. So so communicate yep transparently and be solution focused. Yep, man, that's a great that's a great way to end this. Unless you got anything no, else. No, I have nothing else. I, I think that is a fantastic way to wrap this up because we get so obsessed with other things Mm -hmm. you know the compliance piece and some of those other pieces but this truly that is in three words basically what we do yeah is that i guess that's four words that's communicate (laughs) transparent solution focused yeah there's a hyphen in there so i'm gonna count that as three words but it's perfect (laughs) it's always a pleasure man you bring so much uh energy and and there's a joyful joyfulness about the way you approach this yeah. which i appreciate you know we're doing something really important this is really good and finding better ways to do it is why we do this podcast in the first place yeah, help exactly. people maybe come up with alternatives or different different yeah. ways to approach these solutions yeah for sure it's awesome and i'm looking forward to when we get together in the future it'll be a fun day i'm really looking forward to that yeah. and i've learned a bunch about new acronyms <laughs> so it's always good for me i always learn so um thanks for being here yeah i know you have to probably go back to work we'll see so, no, yeah, yeah that's kind of yeah, how i am too man eh We'll see. I'll make my way back there. So. It, eventually. Yeah. Where is where is your workplace? It's in Exarban. So oh, is it? Yeah, in the corporate area. Yep. Down so. in Exarban Village area down yeah. there or something? Yep, Green Plains is just kind of right right by Blue Cross, Blue Shield. Oh, so. no kidding. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that, man. You got like a lot of lunch options then, don't you? <laughs> I do. That's the problem. <laughs> That's the problem. I'm dealing with Doug, so. Three kids in 20 different restaurants within walking when distance. When I was at Jack Link's, there's only one Subway, and there was That was no, it. There, that was it, so. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff down in Exarbon yeah, Village. there's a lot of good stuff. And you can, like, walk over and watch a baseball game on a nice afternoon. Yeah. And, oh, my God, that's there's a, a great place to yeah, be. it's fun. So. Nice. Well, thanks for being here, man. Thanks, Doug. Everybody have a great weekend. Be, be careful today. I know that uh, there will be a lot of revelry on St. Patrick's Day. I do – do you, have a, do you have a St. Patrick's Day story before we go? I, I, I'm Anything? lame, so I, I, I never... Never really partook? No, never really participated. I just remember I was working in a bar down in Tulsa. I went to school down in Tulsa. I was working in a bar called The Tap Room, and we would inject green dye into the kegs, you know, on mm-hmm. St. Patrick's Day. And my buddy, James Clary, who is a podcast in and of himself, 
was back there trying to inject the green dye into the keg, and it expl- you know kind of blew up in his face. So he came walking out of the keg room just covered in green dye, of course, you know. And that was so Clary, you know. That's, that was the typical day in Clary's life. That's but awesome. I, I don't have many memories, but I will always remember Jimmy coming out of the keg cooler just covered in green dye, you know. So have a great weekend, everybody. Keep up the good work. Um, really, really good information today. And we will talk to you next Friday. Take care. Bye-bye. A Huda Media Production.